deity says, you're the most gullible individual we've ever heard in our life. Our secretary didn't have anybody on the phone. (laughs) There was nobody on the phone. They were just egging me along. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon. Powered by the Portland Gear Store and Guardian Games, this is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. And without further ado, your hosts, Ben and David. I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. And welcome to the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Ben and Dave. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing fabulous. Uh, Great, Dave. Hey, we got our second uh, part of our episode with Coach Gatto here with us in his lovely home. Yep, and it was uh, it was great of him to invite us in, and uh, the 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 first uh, the first episode was absolutely fantastic. We learned a lot, and. Uh just exciting and interesting stuff in our connection with Northwest Baseball. Exactly. And uh, Coach is back here to share some more history with him. Uh, we're going to pick up from where we left off last time at the uh, the high school level. And we'll kind of do it. transition more uh, and do his time as the track and field coach at Lincoln. <laughs> so Limited. 24 limit, hours. Limited yeah. 24 hours. He thought it over. <laughs> yeah. He th- he. he had one of the kids put them, him on the javelin and throw him out. <laughs> it was close to that. In fact, this, uh, let's finish up with the story that concludes to some of those things. You right. know, when they finally they finally said, all right, you want to be a baseball guy. Go back and do what you're doing. We'll see where, if there's a job next year. Well, our local legend, Jack Dunn, decides to go to another local high school. I grew up two blocks from the school there. I, uh, and Jefferson decides that that coach is going to retire. Mm-hmm. And I had been in that neighborhood. So I applied for Jefferson first. I get that job. The day after, Jack Dunn, Cleveland High School, decides to go to Wilson. I grew up two blocks from there. Hmm. Now, Jefferson is a good school, great school, 3,000 students. Cleveland, very successful as well. I applied to that one as well. This was in May for the following year, September. Mm-hmm. They both called me in and offered me the position. I couldn't find a job for five years. I was in great school. So <laughs> they get two. Um, now, here's where the story gets ironic with a little humor, if you can appreciate this type of humor. At the time, I didn't. But he said, uh, uh, Jerry, um, I understand you got the job offer at uh, Cleveland. I said, yes. Well, we just offered you the job. What are you going to do? I says, uh, do I have any time to think about this? Yes, you have the weekend. Come back to us on a Monday and let us know exactly what you want to do. I've been married a year. Oh, <laughs> I come home. It's a rough weekend. Yes. I, I come home. Carol, what are we going to do? I says, right. Do? She says, you're a man of honor. You're a man of respect. You've always said, once you make a commitment, stick with your commitment. What school did you first tell you were going to go to? I said, Jefferson High School. She says, well, isn't that where you should go? I said, well, I grew up around Cleveland, two blocks from Cleveland. That was my neighborhood. I lived in that neighborhood until we got married. Mm-hmm. I know everything about that. It's like going home. I've done. I, I I've committed myself to to the school in North Portland and all this and my experiences growing up and my first professional experiences. But I liked her. She said, "It's up to you, honey. I love you, but whatever you do." <laughs> <laughs> By Sunday night, I decided I was going to go to Jefferson. Okay, and it was a great school. Don't get me wrong. So mm-hmm. I go. I go get in my car. I had a nine o'clock appointment. Arrive at the school. There's the big boardroom. Just picture yourself. There's the there's the principal. There's the vice principal. There's the AD. There's a couple of students. There's a teacher. Uh, Jerry, what have you decided uh, to do? I says, well, uh, I've decided to come here. Well, that surprises us, Mr. Gatto. That surprises us. I said, why? Didn't you grow up around Cleveland High School? 
I said, yes. Wouldn't you want to go back to the neighborhood? <laughs> I said, of doing? course. <laughs> but my commitment is to you. Inside, I'm saying. And, and they said, listen, we're going to excuse you. We haven't signed an official contract. This will be a good chance to give our JV coach the job. Oh, no way. <laughs> Thanks for ruining my weekend. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're more than free to go to Cleveland. I says, are you sure? Yes, there's not a problem in the world. Now, don't forget. Now, we're talking late 60s, right? 69, 70. I didn't have my cell phone. I didn't have anything on. There's a corner booth there. Or I went to the office and I used the phone. I called Cleveland High School. I said, Cleveland, I'm ready to come on over and talk to you very seriously about the job opportunity. You told me to get back to you Monday. Oh, you're still in? Yes. All right. We'll be waiting for you. Be here in a half hour. Thank you. I get in my car, knowing I no longer have the Jefferson position. I drive over to Cleveland. I wait there. I go into their office. There's the boardroom, right? They're all there. The principal, the vice principal, the AD, the athletes are all there. Well, Mr. Gatto, uh, this is your school of choice or what? About this time, the secretary comes into the, to the office with the phone. She says, Dr. Skinner, you have a phone call from Gene Carlson, our first choice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. Gets on the phone, gets on the phone here and says, Gene, he was a 6'8 athlete out of Linfield, football, okay. basketball, baseball, very good athlete. You thought this was for the basketball position? No, we told you all along it's for the baseball position. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling us now you're not interested? You know what you're doing, Mr. Cole? I said, what? I, they said, he must have said, what? You're forcing us to take our second best. Right in front of you. <laughs> oh, right in front no. of you. <laughs> My, our second best. Crushed. I said, you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding <laughs> you're, me. I'm, I'm here. sitting here. And I said, I'm second best. I thought he offered me the job last Friday. Now I'm second best. All right. We'll see what we have to do here. Thank you. Good luck to you in your future endeavors. Seeking out what you want. Boom. Well, Mr. Gatto, I don't know if you heard that conversation, but it looks like you're next. You're our you're you're our choice. I said, I thought Friday I was your choice, and I said, if I'm your second choice, bureaucrat, doctor. I said, if I'm your second choice, no, you should go for somebody you really have a lot of trust and confidence in. Right in the middle of the conversation, the AD says. You're the most gullible individual we've ever heard in our life. Our secretary didn't have anybody on the phone. <laughs> there was nobody on the phone. They were just egging me along. Oh, oh having fun. Having fun with me. Oh. I thought it was a wild job. That's crazy. Wow. You're like, I want to work for these people now. Huh? Yeah, but that's, I don't know what your question was, but, you know, that's, those were things that we did. Yeah. <laughs> it was a different time. It was that. a different time. You the had that fun. here. Yeah. And you had some fun with that's, what you that did. That is great. Just messing with you. I, uh, I love that mentality. And you probably really appreciated it. I mean, even though you were furious at the moment, you're like, just like, you're like. I, I oh. thought I was without a job. One year in my marriage here, and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> they had probably thought that up over the weekend. And yes. We're going to mess with this guy. <laughs> well, they, they had heard some stories okay. uh, yeah. about me and different things here. I In the summer to get experience. In those days, you had to have a, just like today, you needed a sponsor, right? Mm-hmm. You need a sponsor. Well, when Jack Dunn, when, uh, and you're going to look forward to having an interview with him. When Jack Dunn, he had the best sponsor in the state of Oregon, Watco Electric. So when he left to go to Wilson, he took the sponsor with him. Okay. Oh, now I needed a sponsor, right? I was 26 years old. Where am I going to find a sponsor? I just need a job. <laughs> but I got to find a sponsor who's got $5,000 or whatever it was in those days to have oh, a sponsor. Yeah. So I went to the biggest car dealership in the area. 
in those days. There was a big collar show, you know, and I went in there. He had, he had a boxing show on Saturday on TV. He had some other things. Mm-hmm. Think of the big car dealers. But in those days, he, he sponsored Sports Endeavors. I said, okay. I got to get this guy. Get his name behind me. I'll get good athletes here to do different things here, and we'll do those things. And I was in semi-pro ball then. I wasn't a high school coach, but I needed that. So before I walked in, I said, so I go see him over on Sandy Boulevard, Bud Meadows. And I said, Bud, my name is Jerry Gano. Uh, right now, I'm play- I hadn't been hired yet at Cleveland. I says, uh, I'm in semi-pro baseball, and I need you as a sponsor. I need you as a sponsor. And you're the number one sponsor in the game, and I think I can get the best ex-college athletes, the good high school athlete to play for us. And having your name behind it is going to give credibility. You're number one. We can get to that honor. Well, he sponsored me for three years. Oh, wow. Three years. And then mm-hmm. Jack Dunn goes to Wilson. I need a sponsor. I get hired at Cleveland. He takes a sponsor. I'm deciding I've got to get Bud Meadows. To, to come with, with me. So I go back into him. He says, I read a little paragraph in the Oregonian or the journal that you've just been hired as a high school. Are you, you're leaving some pro ball? Yeah. No. I says, I said, what a great experience that was. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, bud, that's why I'm here. I want to take you with me to Cleveland High School. I want to take you with me in summer baseball. I said, summer baseball in the state of Oregon, American Legion baseball is the greatest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Greatest thing in yeah. the world. Yeah. You know what he says to me? He says, you came in here three years ago and you told me that semi-pro baseball was the greatest thing. <laughs> and now and now you're coming in here and you're telling me that high school American Legion baseball is the best thing in the world. And I, I stopped and I said, just a minute, Mr. Meadows, can I ask you a question? I says, I came in here three years ago and you were selling Pontiacs. Today you're selling Fords. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he says? Crazy. I like this that. is the absolute truth. You know what he says to me? He says, I'm getting out of sponsorships, but I'm going to be here for another year, year and a half. If you ever want a part-time job, I'll hire you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh, my God. That's funny. great. Yeah, you selling for <laughs> Yeah. Well, but those are experiences you had in those days. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, uh, you... You move on. You get to Cleveland. I'm in Cleveland for 11 years. Cleveland for your, your 11 home, years. Your home area. Yeah. Home My area. home community here at yeah. Cleveland High School. And how does that feel? I loved it. Um, I, I was hired originally to teach American history. Jack was an expert at that. He has, his mind, he, he has a photogenic memory. Mm-hmm. He was great. They figured, I, I guess, a baseball coach, I could be a history guy. And I could teach American history a little bit. But uh, after, after one year, they said, maybe you'd be a better counselor. <laughs> and that, that's what I wanted to do anyway okay. and I wanted to do so we, we were a counselor there for 11 years mm-hmm. and when we went into classes in terms of uh, vocational training human behavior and we did some other things and I was assigned you know a couple hundred students as well more than that probably in the day and I was the first high school counselor at that time that was allowed to be a head baseball coach mm-hmm. David Douglas wanted to hire me as a coach but they said we don't believe that varsity coaches should be counselors. I said, why? They said, well, coaches are too dictatorial. I said, judge me on my personality. What's the difference between coaching freshman JV and coaching varsity? Coaching, Mm -hmm. whether you're coaching a 15-year-old or a 17-year-old, it has to do with human behavior, uh, motivation. This is where the shift is taking place. Yeah. Yeah. But we were at Cleveland for 11 years as a counselor, uh, those kinds of things, and it was a great experience. I was close to the community. I lived in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took teams to Japan. We took a team to Europe. We took a, our first team to Hawaii. Cool. And I worked it with the city of Portland. One day downtown with my coach. I'm probably around 30 years old. And I said, let's walk into city hall, mayor's office. Hmm. So it's midweek probably. I can't mm-hmm. remember. 
<laughs> I wanted an appointment with the mayor. And they said, well, you don't just walk in here and get him. What do you want to do? I says, I'm an athletic coach at a local high school in the city of Portland, Sapporo, Japan, and Portland are sister cities. I've got mm. the greatest young ambassadors in the world. I'd like to take our high school student athletes there a year from now. We'll raise the, half the money, and we'd like some help from the city, and we'll talk to these different organizations, Lions Clubs, sure. and different things. Eight months later, we were there. That's wow. Awesome. And then our last team that uh, was uh, great kids on and off the field, I took them to Europe. But it was 11 years. But there was an association in that day with community, yeah. with involvement. You, yeah. you supported other coaches in other sports. Mm -hmm. You were there for them as well. In mm -hmm. many cases, you coached more than one sport. You coached more. And you were in the building. I mean, you know that now. How many coaches are not in buildings there? They come there from three to five, three to six. Yeah. It's tough to get to know your students. It's a challenge. Yeah. It's a challenge to get to know your students. Yeah. Um, it was more the common denominator in our days. It really was. But it was a great experience. It was my first experience. Mm -hmm. I still remember those times. I have very close friendships with those athletes, not because of what they did on the field, but what we did off the field. Yeah. So, 1980 rolls in, mm -hmm. and... Then you get somewhere along the lines, the Lewis and Clark job becomes available. Mm -hmm. what, what was what was that like? How did you find out about that? Did somebody call you up and say, Jerry, we got a job open? Uh, Lewis and Clark in those days, uh, like most small colleges, to include the Linfields, uh, the Pacifics, the Pacific Lutherans, the University of Puget Sounds. It was a strong conference. Most of the coaches at Lewis and Clark went to Lewis and Clark in those days. Mm -hmm. I did not. I loved Cleveland. I loved the area. Maybe our high school facility was a city park. It wasn't the greatest, but it was a great, a good feel. I didn't need to go to another high. I didn't need to go to another high school. Yeah. But if I wanted to take the challenge, sure, it was time to move on. My wife didn't want to move. She wanted to raise our three children yeah. in the community, so it wasn't leaving the state. Yeah. I said, "Well, I'll apply," but I didn't go to Lewis and Clark. But I would have been happy staying at Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So I was pretty aggressive in a positive way during the interview process, and. Uh, Eventually, I was one of the first few non-Lewis and Clarks that they hired. And uh, we had just come off a very successful high school season, getting to the semifinals. And I thought he was hiring me on my qualifications or my potential at the college level. And I asked him, I says, I'm kind of surprised you hired me, but I'm so honored. Why? Can I ask you why? And they said, well, did you walk around our campus? Yeah. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Did you, you meet our students? Yes, yes. I had a great lunch with them. Did you notice by any chance that you talked to any students? I said, yes, I stopped a few students on the pathways as they were walking from class to class. Did you notice uh, many minority students or students? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, not a lot. That had me a little concerned in doing this. They said, well, what is your cultural background? I said, well, uh, uh, I'm an Italian. <laughs> he said, he looks at me like this. He says, of course, we want to get more students of color here. But as an Italian-American, you might be the closest thing we have right now to minority. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Just came right out. Huh? <laughs> wow. He says, and, we, and, and they have grown tremendously right. mm -hmm. in what they have done over the years. Yeah. So it was beyond just a baseball thing. Yeah. 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 Well, I thought, no, he was, it was more in humor. <laughs> it, it was more in humor, but yeah. it was a way of making a, a point. And Lewis and Clark is an outstanding school. Mm -hmm. An outstanding school. It proved that. And I loved it because I was there for 22 years. Yeah. And so I had the good student athlete and I had the multi-sport athlete. Yeah. 
and the 80s and early 90s were great years. It was either us, Linfield, or George Fox that were the perennial competitive teams every year. <laughs> uh, Pat Casey, who just officially retired Oregon State, coached at George Fox yeah. at Rutschman. Yeah. Uh, the Hillsboro Baseball yeah, Complex legend. is named after him. Yeah. He was my mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was he was there. Uh, there were some great things going on, but there were multi-sport oriented types of people. And because didn't Rushman win? He won a national title in both baseball and football. He like was first he, ever or something. Like he that. won a national championship in baseball and football. And when I, I took the job yeah. at Lewis, when I Amazing. took the job at Lewis mm-hmm. and Clark, he was the head baseball coach, the head football coach, and the athletic director. Unbelievable! Wow. The head baseball, the head football, and you know, and he mentored me. And he was very successful in his first or second year. We we were very fortunate, and we beat him in a particular ball game. And he was very competitive. But you love the man. You love the man. As soon as the game ends, he comes over to me. His kids are still on the field. Ah, you beat me. It'll be the last time. I'm resigning from football. I'm resigning from the AD, and I'm coming after you. <laughs> I said, you're going you're to give up the AD job. You're going to give up the football job, and you're coming after me. What, baseball? College coaches, you stay in football. You stay in it. I'm coming after you. <laughs> Monday he calls me and he says had you on the edge of your shirt <laughs> 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 and then they, he proceeded to go up baseball but he, Linfield though but you had those guys mm-hmm. you had those communities in there yeah, yeah. in that day Long-term and you had the multi-sport athlete and mm-hmm. earlier I told you about Sports Illustrated spent a week with us got it covered us followed one of my ball players and did a 12 page story I still have it downstairs Hail and Farewell the three-sport athlete, hmm. three-seven type of student, multi-sport, all sports, football, basketball, baseball in college, 12 letters starter, all three years, high school, five varsity sports, six one didn't have hockey, wanted to sign a professional hockey career. And he was just inducted a week or two ago into the Oregon Sports Total Hall of Fame. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, but that wasn't common then. No. It wasn't common in those days. But that's what I liked about it mm-hmm. because I supported the other sports. You were there. You supported them. Yeah. We supported each other. Athletes decided to come to a Lewis and Clark or a Linfield or other types of schools because they knew they could do more than one thing. Yeah. Pat Casey is a primetime example of a guy that went to University of Portland, was a great athlete, signed a professional contract at the end of his junior year, played professional baseball for five or six years, and at 28, 29 years old, decided to get a college degree. Grew up in Newburgh, mm-hmm. a great family, but decided to get a college degree, and he went to George Fox, where he grew up, his yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. And he goes there. And he is hired as the head baseball coach yeah. at 28, 29. He had played his highest AAA baseball. He was hired as the head baseball coach. But because he didn't have his degree, he played competitive college collegiate basketball. He was a starter on the basketball team. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. So he was a head coach he and was, he was a basketball player. He was a starter on the basketball program. Wow. Yeah. And, and you know, the rest is history. Now Pat Bailey is the head coach, but he took over the position of George Fox. And mm-hmm. Pat goes to Oregon State. And yeah. Pat Bailey follows him as his associate coach and now the head coach here. But those were the traditions of everybody. I can talk about a lot of other small college athletes that went on to major colleges. Mike Riley, Oregon State University football coach. Mm -hmm. Linfield College. Wow. Those kinds. We can go on and on and on. Yeah, Corrales kid, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Coach, let's let's talk about this a little bit. So, now you you transitioned from high school. You're you're at the collegiate level. Mm -hmm. You... Now are responsible for recruiting mm-hmm. kids, these young men, to come play for you mm-hmm. at Lewis and Clark. You 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 walk into a home. 
Like, do you remember the the speech kind of that you're giving these young men to, that are in high school to come play ball for you? I'm going to give you one example. I can remember. Can't remember what I did five minutes ago, but I can remember something. Like that <laughs> yeah, we like the multi sport guy. We like the athlete. We like to identify him before his senior year, which is now obviously what they have to do at the D one level. Uh, but I even did it earlier in those days. And I'll never forget as a sophomore. You know, one one time I went out to a local high school to watch a senior. I watch him, but anytime you go out and watch somebody, somebody else might jump at you. Yeah. I saw this sophomore young man. I loved him. I loved him more than the senior. <laughs> so I just I just introduced myself, not to him, to the parents, say, well, you have a fine young son. I love the way he plays the game. He's competitive. He's upbeat. He's positive. He's a multi-sport athlete. He fits into the ideals, the philosophy, and the mission of a school that I currently am at. My name is, I'm from Lewis and Clark College, located in Portland, Oregon. Great education. Boom, this. Keep in touch if I can answer any questions, but let him have fun at the level that he's at. I'd send him a card. Junior year, I'd go watch him again. Uh, the senior, I'm not sure whether he ever ended up Lewis and Clark, but I followed him for three years. By his senior year, they committed to Lewis and Clark. About a month before school started, I took a vacation with my family, a long-awaited vacation to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. When we come home, there's a message waiting for me. Please call this family. And they said, uh, Coach Gatto, we'd like to see you. First chance, we know you've been out of town, so it doesn't have to be today. I said, I'll be over tonight. You'd like to talk? I got home. I must have gotten home early afternoon. I get over there. They sat me down. And they said, there's the mom, dad, and the young man. And they said, uh, Coach, uh, while you've been gone, he's gotten two full scholarship op- opportunities. One was to stay in town, go to Portland State, play football, play baseball. And there was another school or two on there. And uh, basically a scholarship opportunity here. And uh, we're and Dan is kind of favoring that because he'd like to play. And it won't cost him much. And the expenses of going to Lewis Clark, even though we qualify for from fi- some financial aid, is still going to be pretty spending. Yeah. So... The recruiting process. I'm sitting there listening to this, and I says, "Oh, I've loved this kid for three years. I love this family." I said, "Folks, can we just take a few minutes and regress a little bit here? I first met you when, or when our son was a sophomore, mm-hmm. a sophomore." And I says, "And I came to a lot of games, not just in baseball, but football, basketball. Kept in touch, dropped notes, and I. And he's a good student. He excels in the classroom, on the field." He's competitive. He'll get a great education here. But I didn't wait until his senior year. I didn't wait until two weeks before school starts. It's because, in my opinion, believe me or not, they have an extra number. They've had athletes at the last minute decommitted and decided to go someplace else. So they've got an extra one now. They're throwing a scholarship your way to do some different mm-hmm. things. I think the college opportunity athletics is more than what you do on the field. It's off the field and the attention a coach gives you. The attention, uh, building self-respect, making sure they're on the right core to graduate and doing those kinds of things. I says, I expressed that that same need, that same interest from the time he was a sophomore. And I hope you'll take that a little bit into incredible, you know, uh, decision process here. But whatever you do is fine with me. Mm-hmm. But I want you to know how he's going to be treated. Yeah. And you have a great experience. Right somewhere towards the end of that conversation, they said, we're coming to Lewis Clark. Awesome. <laughs> we're going to come. Well, you became an All-American in two sports. Oh, wow. Very successful now. Uh, a household name. Recruiting was very, very difficult. In the 80s, early 90s, uh, it was a little easier, but it was still costly. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, it's, it's it's even a bigger challenge than when you're talking about what it costs to go to small, to get a small college oh, type yeah. of education. But you had to, you had to know the family. You had to get them to understand the college. 
Today, mm-hmm. recruiting is different at different levels now. Yeah. You know, it's a business. You're coming here. You're going to play athletics. Our team is successful. We do this. We play here. We travel here. Mm-hmm. Our program has as much respect as possible. You have the opportunity to play as a freshman or you don't have the opportunity to play as a freshman. Right. Right. You go to a smaller college, the opportunity to play sooner is greater, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So, you, And you got to stand by your word and do types of things. Uh, today, it's putting one college down to enhance the image of another college. Yeah. In those days, we worked a little closer together. Yeah. yeah. We worked a little closer together. Huh. The 80s, especially mid-90s, were fun, fun times. It, it changed a little bit after that. But recruiting, I kind of enjoyed. Yeah. I kind of enjoyed to travel a little bit. But most of my recruiting... Well, was your counseling and psychology background, yeah. that probably... It was Northwest. Yeah. I got yeah. to know the person as a person. I got to know the family as a family. Yeah. And I think you'll see the small college in this area in my time. You won't go back that far to research that. I, but was made up of a lot of locals, a lot of athletes in the Northwest region. You've got a few others. You know, the Pacific's Linfield got athletes from Hawaii and mm-hmm. a few other places here. And Lewis and Clark got a few, as well as some of the schools up in Washington got a few of those. But you could identify. Your budget allowed you to recruit locally yeah. a little bit better. We talked prior to coming on about you know the different types of uniforms that you had at, at school. Because so, I, I was telling you, I was like... I got. To, I found this picture online of you, so I got to show you the picture that I found. <laughs> so are we going to post that on our website? We got to. I'll show you downstairs when we go downstairs. We, we might, post, we might post that one. So Where did you get that? I so I can't remember exactly where I found it, but um, I it's I C what I C Pioneers dot com. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. So. It's the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, actually, style. that wasn't that 1970. That was 1982. Yeah, well, so it's okay. the 1970 style, like what Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, style. but yeah, they they that's not really the total picture. But just the, the publicist the, did something with that picture, you know. But all, the hat, the hat, the hat is well. Is epic. In my day, there was a team that wore hats like that. Yeah, who? Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirates, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. like that was a that was a nice uh, uh, hat with an orange striping around it, mm-hmm. and the jersey was orange, and the pants were black with a big orange stripe up it here, yeah. and we just wear that maybe five or six times a year. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And and I was never allowed to wear it at home, so I had to wear it on the road. <laughs> <laughs> but we won it in some championship battle yeah. types of games. Yeah. But in that picture. You see me pointing at somebody, don't you? Yes. Well, I pointed at the media. That was or taken by the, the yeah. That was taken during the action of a game when I was having a little uh, discussion with the local the umpire of the oh. day, and the, the umpire is a part of that. Look at picture. the eyes, angry yeah. eyes. Yeah. I'm, at, I'm looking. I'm it's talking sticking. to an umpire. It's like, hey, you. That's a great. Picture. <laughs> it reminds me like out of like a Rocky movie. Hey, you come over here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. Yes. <laughs> you be swimming with the fishes tonight. <laughs> And I did it once at the high school level too. I wore gr- now. If you you won't remember this one, this is going to age me. I told you the color combination of that one uh-huh. in high school. I did it a couple times until the principal says, "Those are our school colors, but you don't have to exaggerate the colors." We had green pants, a yellow jersey. <laughs> oh yeah. And I've got that picture downstairs. And I'm like, fat. And I says, "Well, uh, those are the colors we have at the high school." And, you know, and we were it was Cleveland High School, but it was Cleveland Indians. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've gotten away from Indians, obviously. Now it's Warriors. But I did that, and I wore that kind of thing. He says, do you wear those every game? I says, he says, really, uh, they're good colors, but what do you do that for? I says, it's our way of intimidating and having fun once we get off the bus. 
Once we get off the bus, when we see the guys in green uniforms and all of that, and we go to Grand High School or someplace, we're wearing those color uniforms here. So I have that for, for mm-hmm. a year as well. So that that was good. Yeah, yeah. I found but this. You picture. have that picture. I found it. It was. What? I was like I got to bring this guy. This, this guy digs stuff up. That's I, the archives. You know, yeah. this is this is. I mean, you talk about having a you know great background. I mean, I get a you know history degree and then a master's in public admin with a focus on public policy. So it's like it taught me a little bit about how to research and where to go find things. And I just I, I found this and I'm like, well, I got to bring this and ask him about this. I was a lot younger in those days and. Uh, I didn't try to take over a game because it was it was a game for the kids, but I used to do some stuff like that and did some things when my players were playing. We did and just I had one. We had fun though, mm-hmm. and I was talking. Yeah. It was a competitive level. It was college athletics, but we'd have fun. I had a guy that made it to the major leagues for a while, but he had trouble in this one day of feeling ground balls, doing things like that. And so the next day, I went to the local market and I got a chicken hen. You know, a chicken hen. <laughs> And I, the Rocky thing. Yeah, and I brought it to the field. And the, while, while <laughs> brought the, a chicken to the field. Yeah, a chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was, you know, the end of the chicken. But I, I put it at shortstop <laughs> where this guy played. And after the guy stretched and they did their running, I says, "Guys, come on over here." I says, "The devil's talking here at shortstop. We got to get rid of the devil." We'll get. And they looked at this dead chicken hand you know, on the ground here, and I took some gas. <laughs> and I, and Baseball superstition. Yeah, yeah. and I, I poured it. I poured it on the chicken, and then I lit it. And the chicken goes up in flames a little. But I know that I, uh, a little of, of the gas got on my baseball shoes. Oh no! <laughs> and there's a big smoke flame going on. Oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> but we used to have. You could do that back then. Yeah, yeah, you cool. can't do that kind yeah, of stuff. No, no, no. It's kind of like the the was it uh, in Bull Durham? We're like major. Got a curse on my. We're you looking know, to Bull, sacrifice a live chicken. Yeah, look yeah. at the, yeah. Boulder's like I got to sacrifice a live chicken. Yeah, yeah that's my, awesome. my girlfriend put a hex on the. Curtain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I did that. <laughs> That's cool. I did that. Me, yeah, I did that way back in the day. Yeah. So you get you get huh? I think five NAIA Area One Baseball World Series championships. While at no, no, we we, we appeared. We won eight. Five, I don't know. That's not. It's fun doing this with you, but we won. No, we won eight of something. Either a mm-hmm. conference, uh, Northwest or West Coast. Yeah. yeah. We got to do the World Series. So that happened eight or nine different times. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we actually got to the World Series as a finalist, one of the only non-scholarship schools, but it, we were NAIA mm-hmm. uh, at that time. Now they're Division Three as the only non-scholarship school that qualified in those particular, that year. But that, it was fun. But the biggest thing I want that I enjoy spending some time with you today is, uh, Coaching was fun. Mm-hmm. You were involved with your student athlete. Whether I was at the high school coach, I communicated with the college coach. That, you know, it was done by more people than me, but you saw a lot more of it. Yeah. You saw more of it, let's just say. And I miss that. And that's why in retirement, I did some other things to just stay connected and give back to kids, give back to programs. Now we Long term commitments, community minded. Yeah, we have a big yeah. baseball convention that goes on now. And, you know, the Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Gonzaga, Portland, use JC coaches, the good high school coach I want to bring along. I invite them to speak. Talk to Barnsley about that one. Okay. That's what I, I do. Will. Yeah, talk to him today. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned, uh, I, I read this thing, and this kind of dovetails into what I think. I got a, this quote that you had mentioned. You said, tradition, respect, ethics, and a close bond. Were just a few reflections that shaped my life, both on the athletic field and in my personal life. Okay. You it, it kind of you know every, everything that you've you, you know you say kind of like dovetails into that and your commitment. And I was like, it just as we're talking about that, it reminds me of that quote that you had given. And I'm like, 
I was like, oh my god, this is a wonderful, wonderful, you know, piece of literature. <laughs> While it's a sentence, it's wonderful just how you were able to combine all that into one and just touch so much. Can I much. comment on that for yeah. just a minute? Yeah. Can I comment on that? Because you're going to bring a tear in my eye here in the, in the sensitive side. I have, uh, that's a part of even a shorter version of, of a card that I developed 40 years ago. Hmm. I've spoken in groups from Hillsborough to Central Oregon to Northern California to business groups, but mainly athletics. And I have this card based on some of the things you've said, but there's on the front of the card, I used to watch television and I'd see fans sitting there. I believe, we believe, we believe. And it was big in the family concept of the pirates back in the day. You know, no, we are family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we believe. Pirates. And I says, they got to take it to the next level. So I developed this card that says on the front, and I'll get, give it to you as you leave today. It's my I Believe card. I think I've given out thousands and thousands. I've talked to grade school, high school, mm-hmm. college groups, business groups, businesses. And on the front, it says, I believe. Turn the card around. There's four things on the back. I believe in myself. Ask Barnsley about this one. I believe in myself. I can talk just on that subject for an hour. Mm-hmm. How do you believe in yourself? What do I do everything? How does something become habitual in your standard of life? Do you do it just once? You go out there and get, go four for four, five for five one day and think you're just automatically going to do it the next day? Do you have success in the classroom one day and think it's going to come to you the next day? What do you do every day to be the best you can do? But know yourself. Mm-hmm. We live in a society of trying to compare ourselves to too many other people. Mm-hmm. Let's be us. Let's be the best yeah. we can be. Regardless of we can do it through sport, we can do it through life. And if you believe in yourself and the qualities that you have and the UBIS, uh that you really you don't know, have and inherit, whether it's respect, it's knowledge, it's commitment, it's enjoyment, it's fun, it's results. You believe in you. Yeah. We live in a society of negativity. We live in a mm-hmm. society that tears down to build up. Watch your news for for twenty eight of the thirty minutes. Yeah. Watch all that. We're going to build on the positive. We're mm-hmm. not going to worry about oh, I wish I had his God given ability. I wish that. Let's be you. All right. That's number one. Believe in your teammates. Number two. Now, if I'm talking to a business group, I said, I use believe in each other, but believe in your teammates together. How do you spell the word team? T-E-A-M. Together. Each. Accomplish. More. Let's believe in each other. Some days when you're not having a good day, work together with somebody else. That person will bring you up. You'll bring them up. You'll perform. You'll be Mm -hmm. successful in whatever you do. You're going to be in a lot of situations in your life. You know a little bit about what I'm talking about. But in the same time, build, create involve atmosphere the whole mix mm-hmm. and you get through it because you're going to still stumble regardless yeah. you'll have this philosophy you're still going to stumble you're still going to fall you're still going to have adversity pick it up get after it i'd rather recruit you if you weren't an all league all state all american but i knew that you could handle adversity you had enough fundamental skills but i knew you were going to get up and get after it you were over three struck out three times but somehow you were ready for the next time mm-hmm. so believe on the front believe in yourself Believe in your teammates. Believe that something good's going to happen when you live in a negative society. Yeah. And believe through hard work and commitment, you will get the respect to earn success. Success is not defined by winning. Read John Wooden's definition yeah. of success. Success is how you achieve in that pyramid of life, in that pyramid mm-hmm. of success, to be there and do things. 
John Wooden had a philosophy so much, and I borrowed from that. I have his book downstairs, mm-hmm. and then people like that. Oh, one of his athletes, Bill Walton. His athletes weren't allowed to say a lot. Bill Walton wasn't allowed to say a lot for all his years there. He sure made which up for it now. Which is yeah, tough for just him, just, sure. He doesn't make sense. And he's yeah. commentating on the game. You don't know if he's at the game, same game that you're watching on yeah. TV. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. But, but it, there's a way of doing that. So I have this philosophy that I borrowed from what you were nice enough to share right now that has stayed with me you know, 39 years in education, mm-hmm. but all of my life, all of my adult life. Yeah, and I believe this is, uh, when I was reading the article, somebody came across as like, well, how do you define success? And I think this is one of the things that you had brought up, and you're like, this is how I define mm-hmm. success. And I found it very impactful to me, just how you know how you said it in that article and then how you're you're relaying it to to us here in you know in the interview and i just i'm like especially dealing away the culture shift now yeah. right tearing people down the negativity i have a yeah i have a message i got a message yeah. a message a messenger from one of my former athletes um i'm going through uh, one specific medical issue right now it's, it's pretty serious and so we converse privately in messenger and he is saying, I'll never forget when you came and recruited me out of a junior college. He, the word you kept using is, you're going to have you're going to have fun and you're going to make me a better person off and on the field and mm-hmm. get opportunities to go someplace else. But that's the only reason I came uh, to Lewis Park. He told me to be prepared to overcome it and to achieve and to be the best I can be. Well, mm-hmm. you know, we're all being tested with that now without going into detail. But I think that's the role of sports. I don't care what level you're at right now, but it's a business now in sports. Mm-hmm. And the higher the level, yeah. the more it is a business. You're doing yep. those kinds of things, you know. You got to fill the stands. You got to win. Mm-hmm. You got to get to a bowl game if it's one sport, or the changeover becomes more yep. dramatic here. I'm glad I was at the levels I was at. Uh, the privileges to coach. For under or replace somebody, and to go to a local college, and raise my family in this area, uh, but to practice uh, something that's very important to me personally. It wasn't just an off the field baseball type of thing or sports type mm-hmm. of thing. It's on the field, uh, and, and you know, life carries us forward, and we're ready yep. to go. Yeah. And I got and I got one more thing before right. we transition into our last portion, which okay. is talking about what you're currently working on. But I think this kind of brings a culmination of everything together and this is what another thing of what you said Uh and kind of brings it forward and probably this will bring back something it says you you said yes it takes a team to withstand the challenges adversities and temporary setbacks we are faced with on the athletic battlefield those who truly understand the term success realize that together each of us enjoy the victory that we gave our best and players coaches and the appropriate community support is the true evaluation of the ultimate winner that's right yeah, it's just uh, giving, not receiving, uh, expecting, demanding, uh, and just enjoying the process here, realizing who you are, what you're capable of doing, and what skills I can, and what skills mentally, uh, what I can share with you mentally and physically every day to be the mm-hmm. best person you can be. And I, that's my responsibility to put you in a win-win situation. Is yeah, we all like to be successful, and society expects you to win, and that's how they measure it. Oh, he's mm-hmm. good. He's one of the better coaches around. They win. Look at the championships they won. I get enhanced. I get motivated. I get stoked in seeing the guy just enjoy the opportunity, enjoy the experience. 
and playing at their maximum. Yeah. Some years you do a good recruiting year. It's a good recruiting year. Some years you're not. Some years you're not. High school coach, sometimes you have good athletes. Sometimes you have others that are not quite as good. Others you have have potential. They don't work at it. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a lot of time, especially as a high school coach. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to do now privately is to help that high school coach in different sports enhance the opportunity to give kids a chance in the short term to be the best they can be. It's not about winning. It's about achieving to your maximum and enjoying the opportunity, the atmosphere, mm-hmm. the experience uh, with other teammates as much as possible. I'd like to think that most times, and I'm competitive. Come on. Mm-hmm. I'm competitive. The thrill mm-hmm. of victory, yeah, they say greater than the agony of defeat. But I enjoy the option when the umpire or the official says, play ball. Yeah. Play ball. I got to get out there and exhibit it. I don't take the game away from the player during the game. That's his game. My my game day is practice day. Mm-hmm. Game day, I'm there to enhance them, motivate them, encourage them. I'm not going to get real technical on game day. Yeah. No, I'll never forget one day I had two guys slide in. One guy coming uh, from um, second to third, and I had him make the turn. I'm the third base coach, and I have him make the turn. The other guy's coming from first to third, and he decides to come to third. I hold the guy up coming around, and he's got to go back to third. I got two guys back at third base sliding. Huh. So in the middle of the game, I'm standing there. Instead of saying, get back, get back. One of you get back. I happen to have a coin in my pocket. I take it out like this. Middle of the game. <laughs> middle of the game. Yeah, I said, heads, get out of here. You're out. <laughs> Umpire says, what are you doing? That's my call. Mm-hmm. I says, well, it's just it's a fun experience. I'm trying to create some humor out of this thing here and do different types of things. Yeah, I was competitive. You came to games. You showed a picture earlier. Yeah, you're competitive, but it's not about jury ghetto. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want it to be about me. It's about the experience. Why yeah. would I, at my age right now, still be consumed with trying to give back and mm-hmm. different things right now? It's because you love the moment of what sports can do. Yeah. Uh, you know, what it can do. So, Greg Popovich, the head coach of the Spurs, mm-hmm. Spurs. he mm-hmm. had a quote in his locker room said by Jacob Riss. It says, mm-hmm. when nothing seems to help, I look at a stonecutter hammering away at his rock, perhaps a hundred times, mm-hmm. without as much as a crack showing in it. Mm-hmm. Yet at the hundredth and first blow, it will split into two. I know it was nothing that, that blow that did it, but all that had gone before. Mm-hmm. You remind me of that quote. I believe that. And your culmination of he, everything combined together. It's not every far not better that coach. End. Far better coach than I'll ever I would I ever was. Ever was. But that quote says it all. And I could I could say it in five words the way you just said to me even better. Winston Churchill said. Okay. Never, never, never give up. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I said. England was getting bombed by the, yeah. the Nazis during World War that's II. That's right. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Give me the true warrior. Things are going to happen. Uh, you are, uh, fortunately, unfortunately... But if we teach anything coming out of this, we teach you the values, teach you the pride, teach you the standards that you want to have the rest of your life. It's it's the attitude. Face up. Be prepared. Mm-hmm. Not all the times are you going to enjoy the moment. You're not going to enjoy the result. But there's going to be a lot more results and opportunities out there. Yeah. One failure doesn't mean a life yeah. of failures, does mm-hmm. it? No. No. No, it, that's a good way of putting it. Failure, failure doesn't mean a life of failure. But is it really failure? I mean, in, in the end, like, I always take it away from my military background. Like, 
just because I might not have been successful on, on something doesn't mean I'm not going to learn mm-hmm. from my mistakes and then take that and use it as the next next time that I go up and I, I do something. It's like being at the plate. You're going up against the picture, a picture, and maybe you'll see that picture again. It's like, okay, I you're going to learn. And if you can learn from your mistakes that you had before, you're going to be better for the next time. That's very true. And you sit here with any athlete or any family – They'll think that's great. They'll think that's just, it's beautiful. And that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. But in the competitive endeavor, sometimes you go into other factors and other behavior mannerisms because it's instantaneously, it's at the moment here, and you, you don't focus on everything that we're talking about that's so important in sports. You reflect on that. Yeah. So what we're sharing today is a belief that must be practiced as much as any physical skill. It's a mental process. And every athlete, every day, whether you're a coach in any sport or you're a life learner, whatever you do, give the kid something every day that gives him an opportunity. Don't just say, well, on Wednesdays from 5 to 5.15, we're going to have this person come in or I'm going to talk to you about the mental side of something. Just spend a few minutes every day Mm -hmm. about enhancing the performance and the opportunity and that they are going to be faced with adversities. And to do that Mm -hmm. and buy into the philosophy of never, never, never. Yeah. Giving up and the other expressions that you shared here. Uh, I think that's important in life. And I know in terms of what I've been fortunate and honored to accomplish, more importantly, the, what I was able to do for so many years wasn't built just on successes and wins and titles, and those are all fine. Mm-hmm. It was the experience itself. And yeah. now that I'm going through some other types of things, seeing so many of those people, many of them come by and share those stories. I mean, I had one guy now that's an administrator at the University of Portland. In his early 40s right now, played for me. Three years old, he got his degree from Notre Dame. He says, I share every day. And he has to work with first-year students who are going mm. through a variety of different experiences. And so every day, I, I practice the philosophy that we shared, that we shared. And he wasn't, you know, he's a great guy. He wasn't a starter for me. He wasn't a starter for me. He was from Los Gatos, California. We go down there and play one day. His dad shows up. His grandma shows up. His grandpa shows up. His cousins all show up. And I started him in both games. I started. Wow. And, you know, it had nothing to do. You know, winning, winning. It was a win-win. Those kinds of things. And he was sharing today. He says, I practice every day in philosophy when students are going through some very traumatic things as students, freshmen, sophomores. And what's happening today in school settings at the college level now, some real crazy stuff as you read in the papers regularly. He says, I have to deal with that every Mm -hmm. day. And at one time, he wanted to be a coach. And he says, now I found me. This is what I'm best serving. But the philosophy, he was so nice, that you shared with us every day on the athletic field is the exact philosophy I've put into practice every day in my uh, professional life. Wow. But I think that's important. So I, I don't know. I mean, you asked me for little side bits about myself and all this. There are coaches that do it different. A lot of coaches. We're not all the same. They're not all the same. Yeah. But the opportunity to do everything as we said in the first podcast, to, to enhance it through sports participation, if done the right way, will we'll make that human being, male or female, a better person mm-hmm. and I was able to do it through the sport of baseball primarily now and baseball was very strong then and I hope the future of baseball here yeah. you know, goes in the right direction here and looks like they've got some great concepts and ideas at, at all levels Yeah, so that's good 
Yeah, gosh, I feel like I'm in the locker room now, and I need I know, to like go like slap something, and go out, and just like <laughs> self belief. I'm, I'm yeah. just gonna go out and like tackle somebody because I I really want. Coaches just got me so amped up right now. I want to go like do that, or I'm gonna yeah. hit the ball. I'll take I'll take some of this. I'll take this concept, uh, you know, into teaching. I'm a teacher, and I have freshmen and sophomores this year. So yeah. these are these are these are in my own words. I take these ideas and make sure you get a card or two and I'll go downstairs. I will. I will. Yeah, and. You know, you're you've been you've transitioned out of uh, uh, baseball on the the coaching level. You're now doing uh, this thing with Northwest Star, and you, I believe you're the president of the organization. And, and, and can you tell us a little bit about what what this organization does? Northwest Star. There's two aspects of it: Northwest Star Productions, Northwest Star Academy. Northwest Star Academy is a 501c3 nonprofit. I don't take one cent. It's set up um, philosophically to provide experiences for athletes specifically in the sport of baseball uh, throughout the year to enhance their athletic ability, their experience, their uh, build their confidence uh, according to some of the things we've talked about today. In the fall, we don't want to take them away from other sports as well in the winter. We have a fall developmental league. It's not about winning. Yeah, you put on a team. Yeah, they keep records, but that's not it. We have young coaches who are going to respective colleges in the area. We include the Portland Youth, Concordia specifically, uh, a few from Lewis and Clark who coach. Young people that want to be coaches, they coach them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're prepared on how to coach effectively to demonstrate this. But it's, uh, it's, it's learning, believing, and it isn't the essence of thrill, victory, and the agony of defeat. It's just getting better every day, and you get to play the game for seven innings. Yeah, uh, on Sundays it doesn't interfere with anything else or family time or church time. It's just this is an opportunity to enhance that ability level. So um, we have summer teams, but the fall league involves teams from every community. I mean, we have we've had as many as forty teams. You name the community, they've had teams in it through the past. But to look at it, it's actually they're not all good athletes and all this, but they're enhancing their experience. Mm-hmm. That's the fall league. Mm-hmm. Okay, we call it the Diamond Cup. In the summer, we sponsor three or four teams, uh, that kind of thing here. Um, Northwest Star Productions, that help fund the nonprofit, we annually host the NWBC, the Northwest Baseball Coaches Convention. We currently have it held each January. This will be your number 24 hmm. at the Sheridan Portland Airport Hotel. Uh, I took over Oregon only when Coach Dunn uh, retired. He did Oregon only at Portland State. He retired. I took it over. I had mm-hmm. it at the college. After six years, I was approached. We need help in Washington. We need help in Idaho. So now it's Idaho, it's Washington, and it's Oregon. And we get a few reps from Hawaii, Alaska, Montana, Nevada, Colorado, Utah, and British Columbia. But it's mainly the three foundation states. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, we draw over 500 coaches. I give scholarships back to those organizations. Uh, I give money back to the state associations, just mm-hmm. like you have a wrestling or something. I give money back to them each year to enhance some of the needs. Not a great amount, but we give monies to kids, programs, families that need our opportunity. That's Northwest Star Academy. We're on the verge of probably turning that over, and it's time I kind of step back after 24 years for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it's time now to enjoy six grandchildren, which I, should, which yeah. I love. And to uh, through some personal things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Makes so, sense. Yeah, so we're stepping back now, and it's going to grow tremendously. It'll be a big yeah. idea. So that's what we do. That's what we do there. And it keep you know the biggest reason myself interested in doing that. Mm-hmm. And I could be out on the golf course messing up my game a lot more. <laughs> yeah, but is uh, 
I'd love to be in a company of coaches. I'd love to be in a company of young athletes. Mm-hmm. That's my high. That's my medicine. And so I'm able to do that. And my wife, in some ways, appreciates it as long as she doesn't have to do any work because it gets me out of the house. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a vacation for her for a couple of hours. There. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. You know, I hope the door opens. She hasn't locked it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, that's the fun aspect of it. As yeah. you know, I you know I don't make a lot of sense all the time, but I can ramble. You know, you can ramble and talk about it. It's good rambling. Very good rambling. rambling. All right. So, Coach, before we get kicked out of your house and everything by (laughs) by your lovely bride, um, with the baseball coming to Portland, and and Dave and I are really out of it, and we really think that it's going to happen. And um, with that that potential, what what's your hope for professional baseball at the level of major league here in Portland area? I can finally say, after all these years, it's going to happen. Is it going to happen today, tomorrow, in the next two, three, four years? Probably not. Hmm. Probably not. But the the first time, it's not one or two uh, people coming up with this idea. Influentials that one or two individuals may be. They've got a committee. They put themselves together. They've got a plan. Mm -hmm. They've got a process. They've got development. They've got sites in mind. The infrastructure. Yeah, there's a structure right there. There's an infrastructure right now. Mm -hmm. Believe me, because I know a lot of the people that are there. If I were younger and a little healthier, I'd I'd be doing more. But it's going to happen here. Yeah, I've been in connection with those those people that come over here. They bring me a important project hat and they do some other types of things. Oh, cool. It's going to happen here within. You know, if I had to give you a timeline, I think within several years it will happen here. Mm -hmm. Uh, They need to come up with a plan and process and a site. And they've got three or four in mind. Yep. Uh, you know, in my day, everybody eight thousand people showed up every night at Bond Street. That was way out of the way. That's North mm-hmm. Portland. Yeah. But they showed up. People they showed show up. up. Yeah. Now they, you know, now you're doing things. You go to every stadium. You know, in L.A., whether it's Staples Center, it's it's around a mall. It's yeah. around restaurants. You can do your shopping. So you got to tie into the area or economics, different things that are on the waterfront. Well, Portland's got some sites in mind, but they've got the right leadership. Mm -hmm. They're they're developing a plan. They're developing how we communicate, Mm -hmm. how we energize here. What type of team do we want? Do we want to just get a team to transfer from one city to our city? Or are they going to expand and we want an expansion team? But the infrastructure has to be in place. And I've been around for a long time. I think this is the first group. That's doing it the right way. Yeah, the yeah. right. We do. We think that yeah. it's the same thing. The and, process. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This and Dave and I, we've you know, we wanted to be a part of of it's all kinda, this, and and we feel again, like I mentioned to you earlier, that this is this is our way of doing what we can to to be helpful. Because as I told Mike Bear, I was like, you know, we want to be the the voice of the the Diamond Project, and we want to good for you. We want yeah. to help people. Uh, learn the history again of baseball both past present and future it has connections. to have a has to have a connection to Oregon mm-hmm. and I feel the best way to help beyond what they're currently doing is telling this this story and again I'm big on telling the story because I feel like it's a very important and people are wanting to know the story if you could tell that I think you're going to help sell it there's not a doubt in my mind. Oregon, the state of Oregon, and this community, and the Tri-County community, but the whole state, will support the sports endeavor of this kind. Yep. They've done it. 
They've done it in different sports here. Back in my day when I was a teenager, the guy that promoted things and brought NFL preseason games here, Harry Glickman, became oh, yeah. the owner of the Portland Trailblazers, yeah, general manager of Portland. Yeah. But he brought preseason games here to Portland in, in the mm-hmm. area. One sport, and then a AAA baseball team here. I negotiated a contract. I was the AD at Lewis and Clark College for a short period of time to bring the Portland Trailblazers to practice at Lewis and Clark when they didn't have their own facility. Oh, wow. Rick wow. Adelman was the coach. Jeff Petrie was the general manager. Wow. I negotiated the contract. They brought their team for two, three years. They brought the uh, a floor. They brought a, a, a brand new floor that they had gotten the NC2A Final Four floor and they shaved it and put their logo on it and did this and they said uh, we will practice here and do the amenities here and we worked it out in terms of other sports programs that we had right there and they said that's great and i said well how do we deem our income you can have the proceeds of the inner squad game every year i said wait a minute we have a gym that seats 2200 now even if they pay 20 dollars a piece we got to generate six figures here plus I'm not going to be able to do that here. Mm. So I go, I'll never forget, I went to Harry Glickman. And I said, and the reason I'm enhancing this is to enhance the opportunities for sports here if you do it right. I says, can we have it? They didn't have the Moda Center then. It was Memorial Coliseum, 12,600, 12,000 some. Yeah. I says, can I stage the inter-squad game at, at, uh, at Memorial Coliseum? Mm-hmm. He says, well, you're only going to draw 2,500. It's just an inter-squad game. No. I said, give me the opportunity just one night. I says, I'll bring 10,000. He says, 10,000? How are you going to get 10,000 to come in? I said, just give me the opportunity. He says, well, we got to have, we got to have NC2, we got to have NBA officials if we have it there. We do this. All right, we'll do it. 2,200. Yeah. It's not going to cost me much more, he was thinking. And uh, Jeff, Jeff Petrie specifically said that. So I'd go out to every radio show, TV sports analyst. I'd get on their programs. I had a halftime shootout between one DJ and another DJ, yeah. one sports announcer and another, and their egos were there because you know how they can be on the, yeah. Oh, the yeah. I says, you're going to go against uh, Joey Harrington. No, I just use his name. Yeah. You're going to go against him at halftime of the inter-squad game. And I put all these channels together. Every day they start publicizing it. Every day they said, I'm going to take down what's his name from this channel here. Every day they start talking Lewis and Clark right. this mm-hmm. and Lewis and Clark this and the inter-squad game at the Coliseum here. Then I sold tickets to corporate site. I made them give away to inner city. I made them give away to families who couldn't afford it. But I sold it to corporate side and I had a fee very reasonable. We put 9,800 in there wow. for for the game. And at halftime, Jeff Petrie takes me underneath the bleachers. Remember the Bud Meadows story I told you in another segment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeff Petrie takes me under the bleachers. This is at halftime, 9,800 fans. The shootout, fun, festive things going on during the game here. NBA officials, which he didn't want to pay for because they got eight preseason games in those days. And he could have made a million plus, but he, we were getting, we didn't get that kind of money. And he says, uh, we can't do this anymore. I says, uh, why not? He says, you put 9,800, almost 10,000 fans in here. Uh, we can play another scrimmage uh, game, an NBA preseason game, just like last night they played whoever they played. And it can be a home game and we can make ourselves a million and a half, two and a half, three and a half, whatever he said. I says, we're just going to give you whatever you, you need in this thing. We'll give you $100,000. I said to myself, $100,000, some other perks, the reputation. I says, that's not acceptable, Jeff. This is under the bleachers. I says, that's not acceptable. He says, why isn't that acceptable? I says, because, first of all, every day on the news, we get Lewis and Clark broadcasted. The name is Lewis and Clark, Lewis and Clark, Lewis and Clark. Hmm. Now, that won't happen anymore at all. Uh, 
we need that opportunity. We need the public relations to enhance the coding, the recruiting mm-hmm. kind of me- message here. And I said, so you got to give us a little bit more. He looks at me and he says, Jerry, we can't do it. We're going to pay you a hundred and some odd thousand. But he said the same thing. Remember the car dealership guy said? Yeah. He, you know what he said? This is the exact same thing. He says, Jerry, this is a great experience here. He says, do they fire small college AD baseball coaches? I says, I don't know. I've only been a couple of years. He says, well, if you ever do, you got a job. <laughs> Full circle. Full, Full circle. circle. The same story almost yeah, to the analogy I gave you. Wow. Really. But funny. what I'm talking about is the experience yeah. of what you're doing. And why will this team be successful here when they have it here? Because they're going to engage the millenniums, the families, the younger mm. families here, the atmosphere, how to do it, the committee, the infrastructure here. You'll yeah. see it. I may not see it, but it's going to happen. It'll be the next thing. Before the wrong thing here, I'll end up with this, was, you know, they approached Paul Allen. Wow, he owns the Trailblazers. Now let's bring a National Hockey League team here. Paul Allen loves hockey and those kinds of things here. Well, number one, he doesn't live here. Number two, he's got an NFL type of team. Mm-hmm. Number two, he's, to a large extent, he's got two or three strong people behind him. He's a micromanager yeah. and doing some types of things. We need the, it's the larger picture. Involve the community of the endeavor you're taking on mm-hmm. as a challenge. Yeah. It's yeah. A, what I say about our philosophy team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in a, in a small, in a much bigger concept. Mm-hmm. That's what they're. So you're do. basically talking Green Bay Packers. <laughs> I suggested that to one committee oh, really? member. Yeah. It's community interesting. Community ownership. It's, yeah. it's it's a. I said. Make part part of that community ownership. By shares. Yeah. yeah. That would be I did fun say that. Yeah, it's really, funny and yeah. ironic and I didn't say that. But that I said that to them. Yeah. Um, I mean you uh, we're talking about put it on the table at least. Yeah. As, as a as a, yeah. as a community owned exclusive. Franchise, Not exclusive. franchise. Yeah. yeah. No. Huh. But do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I'd buy shares. Yeah, I know you would. Yeah, I, I probably would do. Yeah, I'd go. My, my my wife would make me buy shirts. She's a baseball. You and I. My go, wife's a baseball nut. We'd yeah. probably go collect cans together or yeah. something so we could raise money. <laughs> so, well. Coach, hey, thank you for spending the time that you have with yeah. us. Appreciate it. I am. Thank you. I'm just mind blown just you. being here and just. I would have loved to have play, had time to play under you. I, I don't know about Dave, but I would have loved yeah, to have too. played under you as, as a coach, as a player, and then you as the coach. It would have been fun. I'm honored, I'm honored you say that, but there are a lot of coaches who do it the right way out there. It's not a, it's not a me thing. It's not a Jerry Gano thing. But if you are who you are and you have some goals in mind that enhance the experience for everybody involved, it's very important. The job that has to be done now doesn't start at the, just the high school level. It doesn't start at the college level. It doesn't start in life. It doesn't start in your personal life, your mm-hmm. marriage, your family. It starts when you're when you're born, when you're when you're young, when you're eight years old, and you're going out playing t-ball, or you're getting into a wrestling program, or you're getting into a variety of programs here. Mm-hmm. There are ways that you can do it right then. Don't wait until the competitive endeavor of the high school college sure. experience. Yeah. Yeah. The younger you teach, the better the concept, the better the learning value, the better the retention. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, again, thank you, sir. Appreciate thank you. your thank time. You. It's been fun. Thank you. So thank I'm you for coming over. Yeah. So I'm Ben. I'm Dave. And uh, this is Mr. Coach Goddard. Hang in there. Have a good time. Make a good day. Good all day right. to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. You take care. Thanks, Until our coach. next episode. Thank you, Coach. And uh, we'll see you later. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>